take your Bibles. Would you please turn to the book of 1 Peter? 1 Peter chapter 5. You know, um, I, I don't take I don't take speaking on this subject lightly. Uh, when it when it comes to the wicked one, we need to be mindful of who we're dealing with. Uh, don't get fascinated with it. Uh, don't get caught up. By the way, there's stuff. You know, there there's stuff out there that you can get caught up with, don't, don't, don't do it. Be careful. Please be careful about things here and there that wind up smacking of getting involved. Uh, the dark side. We know who the enemy is. We're going to be talking about him this morning. But our focus is on our God, our Father. So let's pray, and we will launch into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, your will be done now. I pray that you'd help us to listen to your word. We thank you for it. May we be guided by thy spirit. May we hear your word, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, I'm going to be starting... Actually, this morning is a, new, is a new start on a series. Some of it is going to be some basic Bible doctrine, but we're going to be looking at things that we need to get sober on, get serious with, get engaged in. But just a, a challenge and, and looking again, what does the Bible say about itself, about other things, about obedience, about souls, about the gospel? going to be looking at that. We're, we're, we're coming into a time when people really are getting tripped up and discouraged. I, I, I was talking with some folks even this last week on it. I love God's Word. We don't have to wonder what our God has to say. So the title of the message this morning is get sober about Satan. As we launch into this, I want to just start with this. We have an enemy. Now in 1 Peter 5, there's a verse there that we all love, verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That is one of the best verses to get into. Amen? That, that'll, man, that, that'll help you out. Even when you're working in the middle of the Department of Motor Vehicles. Right, Grace? Absolutely. <laughs> but there, there's some things, you know, you get in the Fed or you get in a local government or you get, you know, whatever. It can be in all kinds of places. But it's like, my Lord is with me. I can, I, I can give him my burden. But then he says this, look at verse 8. 
Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Now, I used an illustration several years ago. There's some of you, I'm sure you, you haven't heard it yet. It just, it cracked me up when it, when it took place. And I thought, this is a good place to start. Now, I, I don't know what got me there. Honestly, I can't remember any of that. But I was watching a video on YouTube. And it was a teacher. He was, he was speaking in, um, in a small amphitheater-like class. And uh, he had a video he was going to be showing his students. And he said, now, this is what, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to get this video going. And as you're, as you're looking at it, there are six students up front. They're bouncing a basketball between themselves. Would you please follow that basketball? Follow them bouncing that basketball. And so there I am. I'm watching the video. And I thought, sure, that's exactly what I'll do. And so, you know, they're bouncing the ball, and I'm And then I hear a few of them laugh. And I thought, well, that's weird. And so just following it, you know, and then the video is up. And the teacher gets up there and says, now, how many of you saw the guy in the gorilla suit? And, you know, few raise their hand, and I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute. There was, I'm looking at that. There's no guy in a gorilla suit. I backed it up. Mike, you wouldn't believe what I saw. Here comes a guy, I'm, you know, they're bouncing this ball, and here comes a guy in a gorilla suit. He, in fact, he gets into the middle of the group, looks at the camera, and waves, and keeps walking. And there he was the whole time. I didn't see him. You know why? I was told to watch and follow the bouncing ball. And you know, I got to thinking about that when, back when I saw that, and I thought about it this morning. You know something? All Satan needs to do is to get us to follow the bouncing ball. Nothing else to see here. Just, just watch what's going on. And next thing you know, he's put a gorilla in our life. We didn't see it. Now, it might be the gorilla of doubt. It might be the gorilla of priorities in our lives that wind up getting turned on their head a little bit. It can be a multitude of things, but he winds up getting a gorilla in our life. And we didn't see it. We didn't recognize what was taking place because we were watching the bouncing ball. You know, we're going to find out, we're going to renew our, our, our understanding that we have an enemy and there's something that he does and he does it 
with absolute perfection, he lies. Probably more than anything else, any place else, I should say, where I learned this lesson in my life and also the lives of others was when in 1993, I started flying to Washington, D.C. four times a year for American Association of Christian Schools. Now, I do not put this at their feet. I honestly don't. But there were about, and again, I've shared this before, there were about 16 of us that would fly in literally from all over the United States. Uh, We'd fly in on on a Sunday night or a Monday morning. Monday evening, we'd have a meeting. We would find out Monday afternoon, we'd have a meet. we'd start with a meeting of what we're going to be covering while we're there at the Capitol. And Tuesday morning, we're on, the, we're on the hill and we're knocking doors and we're talking to representatives, we're talking to their staff. And then Wednesday morning, we were doing the same thing, we'd wrap it up and then fly home. I would literally fly in, many times I'd fly in to Sacramento, my wife and the, my, the kids would, would pick me up and I'd literally drive from there to prayer meeting. I mean, just walk right in, just here, just in time. Out of the 16 of us in the eight and a half years that I went there, out of the 16 of us that flew in, by the time I quit, six of those men were out of the ministry. And I got to talking to the leader of the organization several years later, and we agreed that we didn't quite understand the subtlety and the wickedness of the wicked one. Now, folks, we can see it. We can understand it. The world has changed. Uh, I, I could say a whole lot more of that. It's a waste of time. We need to be in the Word. But we need to recognize that in all the things that we need to learn from our Bibles, one of the points that is so very important is dealing with our enemy. So, let's check this out. Number one, number one, be sober. Be sober. The scripture starts there in verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Be sober has the idea of being mentally self-controlled. You're not in a panic. You're not lethargic. It's like, okay, like for instance, here we are. We're in the local church, right? God's word is open. Your Bible is open. We are learning some things. We are asking God right now, okay, Lord, help me to understand this. We have an enemy. Our main enemy is not in Washington or Sacramento. Somebody say amen. Our main enemy is the wicked one. So be sober, but then also be vigilant. It gives the idea of being awake and watchful. Guys, it can happen like that. There can be situations where all of a sudden something comes up on the computer or on the television, something, and all of a sudden we're we're looking at something we ought not to be looking at. 
We need to be alert. We need to be watchful. All of a sudden, there's somebody telling us something. Wait a minute, I don't need to hear that. We need to be alert. Ladies, the same thing with you. We need to be alert about our mind, way where we are letting our minds drift. We've got to be careful. You know why? Because your adversary, the devil, will get to it. So be sober, be vigilant. Next, be serious. Be serious about the devil's reality. Again, scripture, because your adversary, the devil. He's called the adversary. That, mer- that word means an opponent. Do you realize there is somebody out there right now, he is as real as anything that you have in your life. He is an adversary and he hates you. He doesn't just dislike you. You're not just an irritant. He despises you. He lives to bring you down. Now you let that sink in. Understand that. The one who is controlling some people, even people in places of leadership right now, he wants to see you fail, fall, and disappear. He's your adversary. He's called the devil. That word means slanderer. Take your Bible and go to Job 1. Job 1. Look at verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God, and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Now listen to this. Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast, thou, hast not thou made an hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in power and thy power only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now listen, the same thing basically happens in chapter 2. Now look, we find out several things here. Number one, God's in charge. I'm so going to praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But we've got an enemy and he's pushing. And he's subtle. You know, Have you seen Faith Baptist Tabernacle? You know, there's some people there, they have some problems. You let me at them, and you'll see how much they just really love you. Now, again, our God is in charge. Are you glad for that? But Satan desires 
Just like the Lord told Peter, he desires to sift you as wheat. Now, I believe the Lord right now is seeking to purify his church. Now, I, I don't know however, you know, or how, what he's doing. I mean, I get a little bit of a hint, so do you. But the point is this, with everything that the Lord is allowing, and we're looking at what the current situation is doing to our culture. I mean, people have changed. My soul, I was over at Home Depot yesterday, and this guy was upset with me because he thought I cut him off. I didn't cut him off. And he gave me the dirtiest look. I just smiled and said, hey, just go, praise God, you know, no problem. You know? And then he gets in front of me and does, you know, a little brake check thing, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, that's okay. But there's people out there, you've heard of road rage? There's all kinds of rage out there. What we have to understand is this place that we're in right now is a place for us to be a testimony of his grace, but then also a place where we learn. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching, tonight we're going to be back Oh, that's another thing that I forgot to mention. Tonight we're going to be back in uh, 2 Corinthians. You know, if you are a believer in Christ, you have the greatest job. We are ambassadors. Ambassadors. Well, that's not that big of a deal. Oh, really? You haven't studied it lately. We're going to be at that tonight. And then afterwards, we're going to be having watermelon. Yeah. Good stuff. Anyway, that's a commercial for tonight. But listen, so we're in a situation where the Lord is purifying his church and needed because, oh, I was going to say this, preaching through 2 Corinthians, after that, I want to go into the book of Colossians. I love the book of Colossians. In the book of Colossians, we read about this us in Christ and with Christ, who is the hope of glory. That's Christ in you. I was meditating on that this morning. Brother Dave, it's a joy. You know, Lord put a guard at my mouth, help me to be, you know, wise again, help all of us to be wise. But we're walking out as ambassadors with Christ and Christ in us. Your adversary, the devil, is still the same one that we read in Job chapter 1 and Job chapter 2. He's the same one. He hates you still. He hates me still. He hates us, and he's looking to shut us down. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So be sober, be serious. And in being serious, let's get serious about some things about, again, the wicked one. Look again at verse 1. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. Hey, be serious about the devil's savagery. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. Now, my wife and I are going, to, going camping tomorrow morning. We're going to the same campground where we were sitting there and we're reading and this bear walks up. 
Now, the bear to us was not that big of a deal, or at least to me. You know, my wife is looking and she's going, why is my husband, you know, out of his chair and he's going to defend me? And I'm just looking at him and going, you know, who's he going to hit first? No, not really. (laughs) Hey, listen, he got the Doritos. That changed his whole day, believe me. But it would be a little bit different if instead of a little bear, it was a big lion. That is who the equivalent is we're looking at here. Now you got to ask, okay, why does the Lord have Peter using lion? Well, both. Let's look at this. First of all, they're forceful. Do you know that a lion is 14 to 21 times stronger than a man? That's not shabby. Satan Same thing. In fact, in Jude, we're told that Michael, the archangel, it says in verse 9, yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke thee. Anybody that that thinks they can defeat the wicked one in their own flesh is a fool is an absolute fool, and they are about to be, they're about to be the wicked one's meal. They're forceful, but they're also ferocious. Oh, my soul. A mature lion can consume 30% of its own body weight. Now, I've seen a couple of Baptists at, you know, a, a dinner, you know, it just seems like it can be close to that, but hey, bottom line, we've got to respect the devil. I didn't say revere the devil. I said respect. His wickedness, he knows us, he's been watching mankind, and he knows his days are much, much shorter now. So we've got to understand that. He's also fearful as a roaring lion, a roaring lion, a mature lion's roar can be heard up to five miles away. Why do they do it? Well, they do it mostly at night. You know what it does? It brings fear. And fear brings paralysis. And if there's one thing, and you know this, I know this, if there's one thing, (coughs) excuse me, that Satan has done so much of when it comes to God's people, It's bring fear. I don't think so. Oh, really? Take a gospel tract and go hand it to a total stranger this afternoon. I mean, and the wicked one is right there. This guy's going to beat you up. Don't you understand that? He'll eat you alive. That's what winds up happening. He loves to bring God's people to fear. He's the equivalent of the roaring lion. But not only these things. Be serious about the devil's seductions. Remember what Christ said about the devil in John 8, 44? He's looking at the so-called religious rulers and he says, you're of your father the devil. The lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar 
and the father of it. Be serious about this. Revelation 12, 9, and the great dragon was cast out. The old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. The world's not going to see some of the stuff. I, I, I get a kick out of it, and I'm sure you do too. On the one hand, buy electric cars. On the other hand, don't plug it in because you can't charge it right now. You know it. We see it. And it's like, I, and, and, and they don't. It's, 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 it's crazy. But the man that taught him these things, he showed us his MO, his modus operandi. Yea, hath God said. Deny God's word. You shall not surely die. Hey, there's a new truth. Ye shall be as gods. And mankind has been in trouble ever since. Has it worked? All you have to do is think of today's culture and read Romans chapter 1. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Yeah. We need to know the word. That's, why, that's part and parcel of what we're going to be looking at. We're getting serious now. We're getting sober about Satan. We're going to be getting serious about Scripture. It's amazing what the Bible teaches us. Because there are counterfeits out there. You find them everywhere. Online, on the television, coming to your mail, the whole bit. Your neighbors might be involved, family. There's a counterfeit gospel, Galatians 1.8. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Wow. I mean, that's, you know, that's serious stuff. Yeah, it is because the false gospel will send you straight to hell. The counterfeit gospel. The counterfeit minister of the counterfeit gospel. 2 Corinthians 11, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Now listen, folks, some of you aren't going to like what I'm about to say but you need to hear it. There are people out there that kicked the doors open for this kind of thing to happen. One of them was a man by the name of Billy Graham. I've been reading a book of a pastor that I heard speak, Ed Nelson. Billy Graham, 1965, 1965, came to Denver to have a citywide campaign. Now listen to me. You know who they had doing counselors, doing counseling? Well, they had Baptists. They had Lutherans. They had Methodists. They had Catholic priests. And they had Jehovah's Witnesses. Now let me ask you something. <clears throat> Are you going to get the gospel of Jesus Christ from a JW? 
Are you going to be told that salvation is by faith alone through Christ alone by a Catholic priest? So he thought, you know, they, they, they didn't get involved in it. But one evening, Ed Nelson and his son, one of his sons, went to a meeting. And so they're there and he preaches the gospel. When they gave the invitation, Ed Nelson's son went forward. He thought, well, maybe, you know, I think maybe he's been doubting his salvation. I wonder if he's going to get it settled. He talked to him later on and he says, no, I wanted to see how they did their counseling. So they asked him, what kind of church did you come from? Baptist. Oh, okay. They sent him off to a Baptist. Ed Nelson said later on that week, their church wound up getting some cards from the crusade, people to go see. So he went out, he's calling on folks that had made a profession of salvation, and he notices a guy across the street that have, has cards just like him. So he goes across the street. You know where he was from? A kingdom hall. You think that JW is going to be going and saying, you know something, we got it all wrong. Salvation is by faith alone through Christ alone. You think that's what that guy's going to say? Folks, we got to be real wise about this. There's a thing called compromise that we cannot do. And all God's people said, it's by faith alone through Christ alone. We don't compromise on the word. We don't compromise on salvation. We don't compromise on separation. That's why this is an independent fundamental Baptist church. By conviction. Now, are there, other, are there people that I love? Yes, my soul. Absolutely. But I'm not going to join in that. I'm not going to join in that. The counterfeit Christian, 2 Corinthians 11, in perils among false brethren, Paul said he was at, at times. There's a counterfeit righteousness. Romans chapter 10, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You cannot create your own righteousness. See, this is where we're going to be headed. We're talking about the subtleties about the wicked one. What we desire to see is the glories of the righteous one. I want his righteousness. Mine are like filthy rags. So are yours. Why? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's counterfeit doctrine. That's why we're going to be covering this. 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. It's sad, but it's expected when you have a situation where so-called Christian ministry is, is, its foundation is entertainment, etc., 
no wonder you're going to have some of them, these, these uh, ministry leaders, just walking away from family, but also walking away from God and saying, I don't believe in it anymore. I, you know, I just, I, I just can't see it. That's what's happening today. This is why we get sober about Satan and we get serious about what is taking place. What's Satan's objective? What is it, bottom line? I'll tell you what his objective is. He does not want you to know God's will. He wants you to be ignorant of God and his word. He doesn't want you to know what people in Scripture knew. Psalm 119, 105, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Not my preacher. My word. And the God of my word. I delight to do thy will, O my God. This is Psalm 40. Yea, thy law is within my heart. This is why Paul, when he was dealing with the church in Ephesus, wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Even Christ, when he was here on earth, said in John 4, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. But praise God, there's one other thing that we can get serious about. We can get serious about the devil's susceptibility. Where is he weak? Whom resist steadfast in the faith. The word resist there means to withstand, to be firm against someone else's onslaught. We're not told to go out and attack the devil. We're told to take a firm stance. That's what that word means. So that when he comes at us, we stand firm. He can't move us. Can't do it. Now the problem is, that same wicked one is still going around whispering in your ear. I wouldn't be surprised if he's whispering in some people's ears right now. He does that. He does that. I'll never forget, there was a pastor when I first got here, there was a pastor that I knew here in the Northern California area. Great guy, great guy. He's with the Lord now. But he told me one time, he says, you know, I was at a large meeting. There were you know, hundreds of people there. And I'm getting ready. I'm getting up to speak. And as I'm getting up to speak, all of a sudden, I had the filthiest thought come into my mind. And it was like, ugh, Lord, forgive me. And then just went on and preached. That's our wicked one. That's our wicked one. We love you. I'm not your daddy but I am your preacher. Get sober about Satan. Don't dwell on him. Instead, dwell on him. Understand that he is susceptible to being taken out. See, be steadfast in your faith. Paul uses the word again in Colossians 2, 3. 
It says, beholding your order. Again, what it is, it's, it's, a, it's a heavily armed group in, in, in a military stance. They are packed in tight, they're brought in close, and they're there with their weapons so that when the enemy comes, I mean, it's like hitting a brick wall. You ain't getting through. That's what he says. This is what our faith can be. After all, our faith is founded on the rock. That rock ain't going anywhere. So, you know, stop and consider it. In the faith, in the faith. How was your faith this last week? Now, it's not somebody else's faith. It's your faith. Your faith. It's not your faith. It's my faith. In other words, it's individual. The Christian is to stand firm in the faith. What am I trusting God for? Amen? We don't stand firm in ourselves. We, we exercise the faith. We stand firm with our God. James 4, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. In other words, stand firm. I'm not buying it, wicked one. Not a bit. 1 John 5. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. That's why, okay, get sober about Satan. Hey, let's get serious about Scripture. Let's do it. You know why? Because I don't want to see anybody lost in this local fellowship. It's hard enough when it happens. Believe me. It's hard enough. Now, you say, well, sometimes I just don't, you know, there's times I feel alone. I'm so glad you said that. Take your Bible. Go to 2 Kings. We were here this last Wednesday night. By the way, <clears throat> let me tell you, Faith Baptist will do itself so much better when God's people start thinking you know something? We need to be together and praying. Hey, there's a novel idea. Well, I'm glad you thought of that because Wednesday night at 7 o'clock we come together. What to do? We come together to pray. And we pray. That's what it's all about. The best time you can see a local church is when they're praying together. They're fellowshipping, they're encouraging each other, and they're praying. Look at 2 Kings, go to chapter 6. This is where we were this last Wednesday night. I got such a kick out of this, I'm telling you what, this was great. Remember the story about Elisha? You know, he's got a king of Syria. The king of Syria is going, who in the world is betraying me? And one of his men goes, hey, I got news for you. Ain't nobody betraying you. Elijah, he knows what you're saying in the bedroom. All right, we're going to go get him. They surrounded him, and Elijah's servant looked, or excuse me, Elisha's servant looked around, and he said something like, Ah! 
what do we do? Look at verse 17, 2 Kings 6. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Now there might be some people that say, you know what? I wish the Lord would do that for us. You know something? He has. He gave it in his word. You know the the wicked one that hasn't changed? Our God hasn't changed either. Can you imagine if we could see the forces of God that are here ready, ready to go out with us and say, I'm with you. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may boldly say, (laughs) the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. I'm not going to fear it. Because I've seen his actions. What, did you see some angels? No, I saw his word. He wrote me about it. And he's the same. This is why we get into the word and we don't get wrapped up with our focus on the wicked one. We get our focus on him. Now he's told us we can defeat him. We can defeat him. We get into God's word and we read, thy word have I hidden mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Psalm 37, 31. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. So really we just start asking ourselves some things. Now listen up, we're almost done, but we're not done yet. Do I spend time daily reading God's word? Think about it. Do I find myself automatically thinking Bible? It's a good question. Am I able to detect Satan's lies? Now, now remember, one way or another, he can bring up something that's the equivalent of the basketball. And he tells us, now this is what you keep on. No, if he has something else that's come into my life that has drawn me from the local church, drawn me from getting into the word, drawn me from being obedient to him, no, no, no. Forget the basketball. Devil, I know what you're up to. And there's some adjustments that are going to be made. Think about the questions you can ask yourself. Do I know God's will for my life? Praise God, hearing Mike Kelly this morning, all right? I'm going to be moving on. This is what I'm hoping to do. Mike, you were a blessing this morning in making those announcements. That was great. That's fantastic. 
Am I delighting in God's will and doing it from the heart? Am I guilty, uh uh-oh, of telling lies about myself? Whatever. Listen, bottom line, bottom line. Remember Satan's methods. Yea, hath God said. Confront his lies. It is written. Resist his efforts. Verse 9 there. Whom resist steadfast in the faith. Strengthen your faith. And God will show himself to be good. And by the way, one other thing we can do. We can rob him of his work. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Amen? So we need to ask ourselves, just what am I really serious about? Let's bow our heads.